Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Time has come. We're having our first episode of we're going to find out if a team is considered a dynasty or not. We've collected all the numbers in from all the data that we've been searching for and asking you about. And we've got those results and more as we talk about the Canton Bulldogs coming up in just a moment. This is the Pigskin Daily History Dispatch, a podcast that covers the anniversaries of American football events throughout history on a day-to-day basis. Your host, Darren Hayes, is podcasting from America's North Shore to bring you the memories of the gridiron one day at a time. So as we come out of the tunnel of the Sports History Network, let's take the field and go no huddle through the portal of positive gridiron history with pigskindispatch.com. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, my football friends. This is Darren Hayes of PigskinDispatch.com. Welcome once again to the Pigpen, your portal to positive football history. And welcome to another edition on our quest for dynasties and trying to figure out if a team is a dynasty or not. We're going to talk about some of the greatest teams in pro football history. And today, like the old saying says, my podcast will be like a mini skirt long enough to cover the essentials but short enough to hold your attention and with that said let's make sure that you are aware of our newsletter which comes out each and every day 6 30 a.m talks about all the things that are going on in sports history for that day we have football on pigskin dispatch we have the other major sports in north america on jersey dispatch we have many friends that are posting on their sites and bringing in sports history network the sports time traveler and more and uh, we're always looking for some some great things to talk about on sports history it's a great way to get your day going free to sign up for cancel at any time sign up at the show notes of this very podcast or at the top of pigskin dispatch or jerseydispatch.com now today in our journey we are going to first of all set the table for what we're looking for of the criteria of a football dynasty now we last week put out a poll we've been for about a month now researching historians and experts and you know everybody else that's in the know of uh, football history and what they think a dynasty is getting that definition we nailed down some criteria in the polls that some of you helped us do and we thank you for that now the responses were tabulated and averaged and collected and here are the key components that need to be met to be considered a football dynasty. This is a consensual uh, collection of information that says what we want a football dynasty to have. These are our seven pillars. They have to be a winning and contending team for at least six consecutive seasons in their respective leagues. The franchise must have had to claim three championships or the equivalence of a league title in that same span. A winning percentage of at least 660, that's 66% of their games during the considered span of the years. And no other dynasty was in reign during that span. Can't be overshadowed by another dynasty. There's not much room at the top. And if we have multiple considerations, the team that fared best 
claims the era. They also must have a dominance level, a 620 or better. Now the dominance level, this is by Oz Davis, which we'll get to in just a little bit. Championship wins plus one half of the championship losses plus playoff appearances times 0.25 divided by the years of the span. We'll get into more of that in a second. The average point differential per game of seven points or more. That is that they averaged at least a touchdown and a PAT more than their opponents on average for the total amount of games played during that span of dynasty. Now, and lastly, they must be ranked in the top 20% of the league that they play over that span. There are some other considerations we can take in to see if maybe it will help a team to get in. But those are the seven pillars that we're looking for that we collectively gathered together and said that makes an NFL dynasty. So today, our study and our focus is we're going at the very beginning of our time era. And remember, we set the threshold, the bottom floor of 1920 as that first season, because that's when sort of football really organized. Well, based on some information that uh, we've talked about, we're going to go below that, that hard deck. Uh, you know, if, if you're in Maverick Top Gun, they said don't go below that, that deck there. Well, we're going below the deck, and we're going to go back to 1916 to talk about the Canton Bulldogs dynasty starting then. But before we do, we're going to have some information from a guest we had on recently that talked about some Canton Bulldog material. Jeff Payne was on just a few days ago talking about Jim Thorpe and part of his collection, and part of that collection being Jim Thorpe in a Canton Bulldogs uniform. So Jeff is definitely qualified to speak about the Canton Bulldogs, and here's what he thinks when we asked him the question, are the Canton Bulldogs a dynasty? We've got Jeff Payne here, a collector and the founder of the vintage football uh, community and the VFC, as we call it. And, you know, he is really an expert in some of these great uh, old football teams that we're talking about. And recently we had him on and we talked about the uh, Jim Thorpe collection he has with some Canton Bulldogs. And Jeff, just want to ask you, we have a, a project going on with our football dynasties. We're trying to go through and you know we've defined what a football dynasty is but we're, we're asking you know experts like yourself that have uh, some knowledge uh, of the sport and the game and the teams and the, the players on that era are, are the canton bulldogs of the the early 19 and mid 1920s are are they a dynasty in our eyes i think they are i mean i know we we batted this around on vfc as well you led a discussion on it and you know the the first of all if it's not just about the NFL, you know, the Canton Bulldog dynasty started even earlier than that. I mean, they won the Ohio League championship um, three of the last four years before the NFL was formed. The Ohio League was kind of the premier football league in the in the country at the time. They won in 16 and 17 and 19. Of course, 18 was Spanish flu, you know, their version of COVID. So nobody played any sports that, that fall. So that year was wiped out. Um, and they only lost, they lost one game during that time. And then, of course, they joined the NFL. The first couple of years, they had good records. They didn't win the league, but they only lost a few games each year. They had two losses in each of the first two years. But then they went on a real big run. I mean, they were undefeated. Now, there were some ties because back then they didn't have OT. 
Um, but they actually, I, I counted it up from the late 1921 season through late 1924, they had 31 consecutive games that they didn't lose. They had three ties in there, but that is the longest streak in NFL. And I actually found, I was looking at like, what are the longest streaks? Most of them say, you know, winning streaks, right? Mm-hmm. And they didn't win three of those games. They were ties, so I get it. But there was a note in one of them that said, if you if you count ties, the actual leader all time is the Canton Bulldogs at 31 consecutive games. They were 10-0-2 and 22. They were 11-0-1 and 23. And they went 7-1 and 24. Now, 24, a lot of times they don't get credit for because what happened is after the 23 season, the owner of the Bulldogs sold the Bulldogs, sold it to um, a gentleman who moved the team and consolidated it with another team in Cleveland. So that year they were the Cleveland Bulldogs. Subsequently, they actually came back to Canton because he got out of football and it got acquired back and brought back to Canton. But they ended up winning in 1924 in Cleveland as well as the Cleveland Bulldogs. And a lot of times they don't get credit for that third championship in the NFL. But if you look at the roster, you know, the, the majority of the starters, you know, were from Canton. And some of their big dogs weren't even there. Fats Henry moved on. After 23, once the team was sold, he left. He did come back later, but he just didn't want to play in Cleveland. And so they lost some All-Pros, All-Stars, and still won in 24. So, I mean, I think any way you look at it, whether it's just early NFL or it's going back into the Ohio League through early NFL, they got a good five to ten years where they dominated. And that, to me, is a dynasty, you know? I don't disagree with you. That's a a great take on it, and uh, we appreciate it. Most definitely, Jeff, you brought up some great points that that are going to support some of the theory to try to find out if the Canton Bulldogs are a dynasty. Now, that is one expert's opinion. Like we said, he brought up some great bullet points, and we're going to talk about some of those. But we're going to plug it into our our seven pillars and see if it meets the criteria of the Canton Bulldogs. Now, they were a formidable team, a vital team in the early years of American professional football, the uh, American Professional Football Association, APFA, and later the NFL. Now, heck, for all organized pro football, for that matter. And if you remember the famous September 17th, 1920 meeting in the owner of the Canton Bulldogs, Ralph Hayes' Hutmobile showroom, he and his player coach, Jim Thorpe, not only helped convene the meeting of the founders of the NFL, but also had a pretty top-notch squad in the seasons leading up to and after the formation of the league, as uh, Jeff alluded to. Now, essential or not, we are on a mission to determine if they are worthy of being called a dynasty. Now, we, before we compare these teams' numbers with our established criteria aforementioned, we have a couple issues of this Bulldog teams to address. Jeff touched on them. First of all, is it prudent and fair to use the Bulldog seasons just prior to 1920? Secondly, should we use the years the APFA NFL can, can the mythical Ohio League titles count as championships if we decide to go before 1920? And finally, that last question, the 1924 Cleveland Bulldogs. Should they be included in the Bulldog era of Canton? Now, we ask the opinions of, and the majority say, just like Jeff, yes, it's fair to count the three seasons prior to 1920 as part of that count, Canton reign. However, since the stats and the final scores of the games are pretty scarce and inconsistent, 
we are not using the point differentials of 1916-17 or 1919 in our numbers. We're only going to use the 1920 through 1924 seasons for those point differential numbers. Also, we felt uh, it's felt that the majority of the top teams competed against also so-called Ohio teams, and that holds water to count in our study. Like Jeff said, that was the premier league, was that mythical Ohio League and the Ohio League Championship, as it's been called. The 1924 Cleveland Bulldogs were a merger of the 1923 Canton Bulldogs and another Cleveland franchise, and more than one-third of the players were former Canton Bulldogs, including player coach Guy Chamberlain, and that core nucleus of that 1924 title team were former Canton players. So there is some consistency and redundancy in that being the core team going in there. Like you said, Pete Henry peeled off and went somewhere else and a couple other guys. But mainly that main core was still the 1923 Canton Bulldogs. Now the next question is, did the Canton Bulldogs win games and titles? Short answer is yes. Canton Bulldogs were highly successful from 1916 through 1924. And during that span of eight seasons, because remember they didn't play in 1918 due to World War I and the Spanish flu, as Jeff alluded to, the team played, from what we can tell, a total of 84 games and had 67 wins and nine ties as a result of them in that span. Now that record gave them a winning percentage of .893, almost 90% on their winning streak. Now, our numbers are a little bit different from Jeff's. He, Remember he said that they had two losses in those first couple seasons of the APFA NFL? Well, that's true. That's with the games that were counted against other NFL teams. They actually had, were like a 7-4 and four record in their first season of the APFA, but two of them were independent games that they played and lost. Now, winning gave them the honor at the end of multiple seasons of being called the best team and a champion. Before the 1930s, teams in even in the NFL, it was the best record that gave you the championship, not a title game. And before 1920 in the APFA organized professional football, the Dogs played in a convoluted quasi-organization called that Ohio League. It really wasn't a league. There wasn't pre-scheduled games very often. It was basically each week somebody would say, hey, we want to play you. And they're trying to get the teams that are going to draw so everybody wanted to play Canton because Canton would draw crowds uh, same thing with uh, some of those other pre-NFL teams the Maslin Tigers and the Columbus Panhandles you know they, they wanted to get these bigger teams to come in and have crowds drawn so their players and them could make money now let's get to the element of the dominance level the DL as we call it at Oz Davis, a fellow podcaster, you've heard him on this show a bunch of times. He has uh, you know, the Truly the Goats series. Uh, he has been on multiple other things, the SHN Showcase, uh, and he's been running his own, another one where he talks about some of the great moments in sports history. Now, he posted a response to my challenge of what a dynasty is uh, last week. You can find it on a link on Sports History Network. It's called What Makes an NFL Dynasty. We have a link in our on our website for this uh, Canton Bulldogs episode. Now, some formulas to success is what uh, Oz says. It says, when the proposition of defining dynasty NFL first was presented, the Oxum's razor of equation came to Mr. Davis. 
it came as dominance level or DL equals championship wins plus championship losses times 0.5 plus playoff appearances times 0.25 divided by the years of the span. Now we're going to take that a step further. In the years before playoffs and before championship games where teams couldn't lose those, we are just going to ignore that fact, take those out, and it's just we're not going to put that as part of the equation. So basically, uh, we're going to go championship wins divided by the years of that span. Now, since there was not a championship game per se and definitely not any playoff games, uh, you know, we're going to be doing that for the Canton Bulldogs. Now, if we break the floor of that 1920 and look back to the 1916 seasons through 1923, the Canton Bulldogs and then count in the 1924 Cleveland Bulldogs as a continuation of the Bulldogs franchise, we meet our maximum of six-season criteria for the consideration of a dynasty, and we will let them claim the title with the mythical Ohio League Championships moniker where applicable. With that said, our dominance level formula of the Bulldogs, 1916 to 1924, is six championships divided by eight seasons, or a 750 dominance level 750 DL that is quite strong so that the verdict on this uh, Canton being a dynasty let's compare them to our seven pillars that we established earlier first they met the winning tradition of having eight consecutive seasons a six was the shortest that would be considered they're two over that so with those uh, special seasons like we talked about the titles they had were six in those eight years, more than our three minimum that, that we voted on in our poll. They also they had a winning percentage of 89% in those eight seasons, well above the 660 that we had set for them. So they're qualified there. And were they the most dominant team? There was teams like Maslin early on, Akron, Buffalo, and others that contended and even won titles during that time but all paled in comparison to the reign of the Bulldog between 1916 and 1924. When you have six of those titles in that eight-year span, there's not too many people that can say they were a better team over that long haul. Now, their dominance level score, like we just talked about, 620 or better, we said they hit 750, so they're definitely over that. Checking all the boxes here. Now we get to the point differential. We said that we wanted a minimum of seven points per game during that span, win or lose, but that's what your average has to be. The point differential for the Canton Bulldogs in that eight years is just over nine points per game. So they definitely qualify there. They beat it by two points. And finally, the worst finish from what we can tell was that eighth place out of 14 teams in 1920, the 7-4-1 overall record. They were probably 7-2-1, and one, uh, as Jeff says. Uh, but it was still, it was eighth place. But that wasn't too shabby, having that you know, pretty good record there. But there was a lot of teams that were undefeated. But then again, those teams were playing out of league games and uh, you know, running up some, some good win-loss records there. And, uh, you know, like we said, you know, the Akron Pros end up winning that the APFA's first championship the game that first year. But all in all, they meet the seven pillars of being a dynasty. So the Canton Bulldogs, per the consensus criteria we've collected, and establishing those seven pieces of uh, information that have to be met, are the first true professional football dynasty. 
Now you may say, oh no, we had a lot of dynasties before that. How about the Duquesne Athletic Club and you know maybe the Latrobe Athletic Club and you know the Jay Lawless and some of those Pittsburgh Athletic Club. Well, they didn't have meet the criteria. None of them had the six at least six seasons of being the champion per se. Uh, even you know the, the Pittsburgh or Pennsylvania leagues, and so they fell well short of that. The other thing is we don't have a lot of records of what their win loss was. Uh, there's a lot of speculation there, but you know they just don't have that. We can consider that with the championships like we can a little bit more clear cut with Canton. So that's why we're calling them the first true dynasty in pro football. Now we have a lot of related stories that go on with this on a lot of different Canton things. You can go on our search box or go on the website to the, follow the link to this story on the Canton Bulldogs. You'll find all kinds of great things there. And we thank you very much for joining us and helping us to determine these dynasties. We're going to go through a bunch more teams, some of the greatest teams in pro football history, and uh, put them to the test with our seven pillars. If you have any comments or like to make suggestions or anything, we take the good, we take the bad. You can email us, pigskindispatch at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at Pigskin Dispatch, Facebook at Pigskin Dispatch, and we're also on Threads and LinkedIn. LinkedIn, we are Darren Hayes, and uh, Threads, we are at Pigskin Dispatch. Very special thanks to Oz Davis and everybody else that voted and supplied in our polls, and for Jeff Payne for not only voting and giving us some advice, but helping us on Canton Bulldog, giving us some stats and information on them as well. And to all of you, we thank you. Hope you'll join us again next time. And till that next time, have a great gridiron day. Peeking up at the clock, the time's running down. We're going to go into victory formation, take a knee, and let this baby run out. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you back tomorrow for the next podcast. We invite you to check out our website, pigskindispatch.com, not only to see the daily football history, but to experience positive football with our many articles on the good people of the game, as well as our own football comic strip, Cleet Marks Comics. Pigskindispatch.com is also on social media outlets, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and don't forget the Pigskin Dispatch YouTube channel to get all of your positive football news and history. Special thanks to the talents of Mike and Gene Monroe, as well as Jason Neff for letting us use their music during our podcast. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, football fans. This is Ross, the host of the Pigskin Tales podcast. I just need a few moments of your time to talk about the host of the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, Darren Hayes. He's expanded the pig pen to search out information on the history of all team sports. It's a quest to find out about the competitors, teams, and places chronicled throughout athletic history through the uniforms and gear the participants used and wore. And he is taking you, the listener, with him on this educational journey to preserve sports history on the Sports Jersey Dispatch, found here on the Sports History Network. His newest podcast, called Jersey Dispatch, is all based on the jerseys that all the greats used to wear. You can find Darren Hayes and the Pigskin Dispatch podcast, as well as Jersey Dispatch, on your favorite podcast provider multiple times each week. So remember that, Darren Hayes, 
the host of the Pigskin Dispatch and Jersey Dispatch podcasts. It's found right here on the Sports History Network.